Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, still unbeaten against Queen of the South in over 57 years. Just. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Is that a barrel that you have and is that scraping I can hear? <laughs> wow. That's got to be one of the most morose openings to a Scarves Around the Funnel podcast. What's this, episode 120? Uh, 100 and, well, we, we call it episode 121, although there's been a, a few more because some of them have been two-parters because Scott Wilson and Ryan McGowan um, talk a fair amount. Uh, some of them have been, we've had a couple of extras as well, but yeah, just over 120 episodes. Are you saying that the fact that we are now 21 matches unbeaten against Queen of the South is not something to celebrate <laughs> mm, we're also 37 games without the same lineup being named by robbie nielsen as hart's coach that's kind of telling isn't it it is i just want to start on a positive before it goes downhill <laughs> you want me to start on a positive and you that's that's the best you could come up with well, like you said, we're scraping a barrel just now. Um, it's, it's it's not all doom and gloom, but there's definitely some things to discuss this week, which yes, are... Um, uh, we'll maybe have some constructive criticism <laughs> after Hearts salvaged a draw against salvaged. Queen of the South on Friday night, last Friday night. We will also look ahead to Hearts' next game, which is this coming weekend against Greenock Morton. And in between, we'll finally get to that homework question that was thrown out there uh, just a couple of weeks ago, which is, what will Scottish football look like in 2046-47? Will Hearts' incredible run against Queen of the South still be going? Who knows? Who knows? Okay, before we crack into the game, um, uh, Mark really likes when I do any kind of shout out. He's always said this. He's a big fan oh, of these. So, um, is, D- is Davy back in Ward Nine? <laughs> and Waddle message just before uh, we came on for the show and just said, "Can I give a shout out to Ian White, who's a regular listener, and it's his birthday this weekend, actually the twenty-first of February." So, um, happy birthday for this weekend, Ian. Hopefully. You are celebrating, toasting a famous win over Greenock Morton on Sunday. So there you go. That's it. That that was all, Mark. That's the only shout out you'll be happy to know. That's okay. I have no problem with that. I just don't like it when it's twenty five minutes into a game. Yeah, hearts um, on the attack, and I'll give you. <laughs> yeah, and, and Nigel listening in uh, North Berwick. Um, it's got a dose of the piles, but I'm sure you can get anusol cream or something <laughs> like that to make things better. Um. I wonder in 2046-47 if we have completed the Hearts Kit World Cup by then. Oh, Christ. I, I'm, I'm dreading when either you or one of the listeners brings it up because we were going to do it. <laughs> let's, not, let's not go there today. Let's not go there today. Uh, yeah, okay. But just bear that in mind, son. It's your, uh, it's, it's your it's, production. Uh, the two things I'm just not going to live down for years is the, the, the game that the shout-outs went a bit um, over the top against Inverness and the fact that I have still we interrupt these shout outs to to bring you a little bit of commentary and um, and we'll we'll now interrupt the game again to do the Hearts uh, Kit World Cup which has been 
Anyway, right, you, you're putting me off on a tangent. Look, Scott Wilson's not here, so we cannot be as um, last week. as tangential well, as <laughs> tangential. How long did that end up being over the two parts? Was it nearly two hours? It was, yeah. Jeez. Um, I had to I had to save. Well, I messaged you afterwards because we recorded last week's show on Thursday, on Thursday evening, and we were playing. Hearts were playing on Friday night. And I was at work on Friday, so I was at work for half seven in the morning till um, till I'd be heading off, basically, to the football. And we finished recording, and it was like, what, half nine in the evening or something? Yeah. And I just realised, it's like, I haven't done my prep yet for the game tomorrow, and I've got two hours of a podcast were you doing the game from Glasgow, or were you at the game itself? I was doing it from Glasgow again. Okay. At the moment, it, it, because of travel and minimising numbers, it, if a game's live on the BBC, it makes sense for them to, to get a feed. And in many ways, it's more reliable than you know than having to rely on the internet and um, and uh, technical facilities at the likes of Palmerston or Somerset yes, Park. Indeed. Whereas, obviously, if I'm at the QTV studio, they can just to get the BBC feed directly from the BBC and we can just sit in a commentary booth and um, and do it from there. So it's your day job. It's your your usual, isn't it? Doing it, that it is. Um, it, it is. It's, it's different. Um, the first kind of half of my career was going to games, commentating from stadiums. The last decade has been from a monitor with one or two exceptions when we when we did get to the game. Just got to deal with it. I mean, I I, I see what you see um, when you're commentating on the Hearts game. And it can be frustrating at times if a run is made off the ball and you're unaware of, if a linesman puts his flag up and you can't see it. But you just got to adapt. That's the way it is. Uh, You you have to adapt to, to different playing surfaces too without really complaining about said playing surfaces. But some people do. I think it's... uh... I mean, and we are going off on a tangent here, but maybe people are interested. I do find it tricky in many ways, and I think one of them is the fact that we um, we're doing radio style commentary, so I need to be talking all the time. So it's harder to, I guess, take a breath and wait yes. and see what happens. So the cameraman goes to you know, Robbie Nielsen at Hearts. Maybe something had happened on the far side, and I was mid 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 the way talking about Hearts who's got a corner, and I don't know who's about to take it because the camera goes yeah. to someone else, and I'm kind of waiting. Or there was a moment in the air game where I could see the camera was on a wide shot, and I could see they were about to bring on a sub, and I was like, okay, a substitution about to be made, and I was just about to see who it was, and then they went to a shot of the manager again, and obviously I'd started my sentence about the substitutes. But then it went to the manager, so I was like, okay, well, I'll start talking about the manager. So I had a quick look for something about the manager, started talking about that. Then it went back to the subs. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, radio's a lot harder doing it off tube, as we call it, off monitor. The only time I've done it over here, bizarrely, it's not like they've, they've thrown me a bone with a, a couple of shitty games. It was it was the World Cup oh, okay. in, uh, in 2014. I did that for ESPN Radio. So you can only say what you can see. And that's the other thing. I was trying to keep it topical. I was, I, I threw in a little bit of a, um, a pitch reference there, a surface reference there. You never picked up on that. 
And it's not like the Premier League teams or the Premiership teams don't have artificial surfaces. Hamilton, Killy, um, there's three, isn't there? Is there not another artificial surface? Levy have got an artificial surface, yes, haven't they? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So, so those those are the three. So we're going to have to deal with that anyway. I, mean, I just think at times when there's a lot of frustration among Hearts fans after a particularly poor result or a poor performance this season... I, I understand deflection tactics. I get that because you want to protect, but sometimes, sometimes you can see through that. Blaming a referee when it's clear your team was poor and it wasn't all the referee's fault. Blaming a surface—that's not ideal either. And we're now—I mean, we're, we're recording this on a Wednesday. Normally, if we record it, it's usually a Thursday, like it was last week. And the game's in the rearview mirror, so we're. We'll obviously discuss Queen of the South, not as in depth, because I want this to be a, a bit upbeat and jovial at times as well. <laughs> but that that wasn't good on Friday, no. and I just I'm just hoping that the, the, I hope it doesn't come to the point where it's excuse after excuse after excuse, because fans can see through that. We just want to watch a decent team on the park. I'm not saying we do, we should be winning all the games because we're hard. You've got to earn that. Yeah, I don't think we're doing enough in a lot. Of no, I think you're right about what you said there, especially in terms of you know the surface. Which you know that's not saying that plastic surfaces are are always great. Obviously, they have their problems, and we know about you know, certain players saying that injury wise, it's, it's tricky. But we've seen the state of some of the pitches we've had to play on when it's when it's grass we well or it's on the mud. Red pitch, didn't we? we played. I, I said that before the Queen of the South game. I thought. Our best performance, or at least even even maybe we talk about our best half was was that first half against Wraith, where we the football we played was terrific. I thought we moved it around with a great tempo on the ground, um, a lot of nice interchange of passes, good movement, and you know we could have been five or six up that first half, and it wouldn't have been an unfair reflection on the game. Um, I realise some of them are worse than others. A few people have told me that Palmerston's um, artificial surface is not the same quality as others. However. Both teams are playing on the same surface. I wouldn't say looking at the game. I mean, you could maybe dissect it and find certain moments, but it wasn't like the bounce kept skipping away from players. Or I didn't think that was a problem. We'll talk about the game anyway. So Queen of the South against Hearts. Another Friday night game for the men in Maroon, who started with a 4-2-3-1 formation, albeit this time Armand Nongdwie had a, a knock, an injury that meant he couldn't start. So Liam Boyce was moved into the number nine role, should we say, with uh, Gervain Castanier earning his first start. So it's Gordon and Goals, the usual back four, Halliday and Irving sitting again, Castanier right, Mackay Stephen left, Walker in the centre, albeit those three would change places on quite a regular basis. And Liam Boyce, the man leading the line, so Hearts managed to avoid defeat. Um, they managed to keep that unbeaten run going, although it was the first time Queen of the South had avoided defeat against Hearts since 1983, if you discount a 3-3 draw that went to spot kicks in 2013. In terms of the match, mar- uh, the match, march? The match mark, Hearts started well enough. Um, I-, I thought in the opening 15-20... We were better than what we have been in certain games that we've been critical of Hearts and we haven't got the end result we wanted. We started with a decent tempo. I thought we moved it around quite well at the start. I don't know if in the end it took me back to the Alloa game in the Cup where we started well and it sort of faded. But 
I thought there were positive signs early on. I mean, Walker looked like he was um, he was up for it again. He was heavily involved. Liam Boyce, I thought, was our best player, which is probably we've said that a few times recently. But we just couldn't carry it on, and we kind of started to fade as the game went on, which is starting to get a little bit of a concern. Yeah, agree with that. But it was still a slow start. We didn't score, and it, I'm just I'm currently going through some stats as to find out the last time that Hearts scored in the first half hour of a league game um, away from home. And guess when it was? Um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. It was over a year ago. Okay. It was over a year ago at St. Johnston. And that's in the first half hour. That was 26 minutes when Liam Boyce equalised Stevie May's early goal. But to go back, I mean, first 20 minutes, you're going, you're going back way before that. So this isn't something that just seems to be a Robbie Nielsen issue. This is something that's plagued us for a while now. And why is that? It shouldn't be the case this season that we are still talking about something that hasn't happened for over a year because we're playing at a lesser level. And there's there's been moments um, this season where you've kind of... The result has prevented more of a post-mortem because ultimately it's about getting into the top flight um, and then seeing what we can do. But it's been really interesting reading content from you and Murray and Lawrence Brody and Ian McLeod and various other Hearts fans about where we are right now and whether or not building sufficient building blocks have been put in place um, for, for the future. And I have been... This is as frustrated as, as I've been for a while, um, having watched Hearts, because I don't see a quick start. I, I, I see a team that, that steamrolled Queen of the South 6-1 at home. Now, of course, there's intangibles and various differences away from home, but still no crowd, different pitch. OK, well, how big a difference were the two sides? It wasn't that much. There was one or two changes on either side as far as personnel is concerned. But you shouldn't need a last-minute penalty to get an equaliser. And and by the way, that that was one of Hart's rare attempts in the second half. So while we started the first half all right, it still didn't have that goal that we were looking for, although we came close. And again, it's, was the late goal papering over the cracks? Hearts are going to win this league. But we want to be in a position where we can kick on like we did the last time under Robbie Nielsen when we went into the top flight. And I mentioned the guys that I've been reading on social media and others and read articles. Is the, are the building blocks in place right now so that we can do that next season? I, I'm yet to be convinced. I think that's the pro- I don't think the problem is drawing with Queen of the South. I think you're right. The problem is the manner no, no, let, of that. Let's look because, bigger picture, exactly. Because you're right, we will win this league. You know, let's be honest, we're, we're not going to get caught in first place. Uh, in first place. The, apart from anything, there aren't any teams consistent enough, even if we went on a three or four game winless run, which I don't think will happen anyway. So you're right, we'll win the league, we'll go up. But the concern is the fact that there's too many games that follow the same pattern where we have plenty of the ball and you can see we have better quality players than these teams, but we are not, we're not playing a tempo, we're not playing with enough purpose that allows us to actually open them up. And I mean, although I thought we 
we started better than we have in previous games. You know, Walker's chance that was blocked reasonably well at the near post by Leefield, the Queen of the South goalkeeper, was probably the only real chance we had until the penalty. And you look at the stats at the end, I mean, we had two-thirds of the ball for that game, which is no surprise to anyone. 66% possession. We had two shots on target. So did Queen of the South. And one of each team... And one one of them was a penalty for either side. Exactly. And it's the same story. And we had 12 corners again, and I've not got the re- recent corner stats in front of me, but we've been we've been racking up double figures of corners game after game, and we still aren't creating any chances. And it's almost like, I know corners are not as profitable as some people think, but even by law of averages, we should be at least creating more chances. I know we scored one against Wraith, but I think we had more than 15 corners that game. So yeah. we're getting lots of possession. We're actually... Territory-wise, we're we're often getting into the final third, but there's just no cutting edge there. And I do feel sorry for Liam Boyce. He obviously won the penalty and dispatched it well, but he seems very isolated. So, I mean, we've got a striker up there who I think is a decent finisher. He's very good with the ball at his feet. He actually can create a lot, but he's getting very little to work with around him. Yeah. He's often having to come deep. And I think that's a concern because I thought Queen of the South... We're really well organised, but it's too easy for teams to be organised against us and nullify our threat. I mean, it's just not happening for Gary Mackay-Steven, but, you know, he's come over from the States a little bit short on on match sharpness, a new team, a new league. He's not like everyone's, everyone's up and running. Everyone who's fit and match fit is performing and Gary Mackay-Steven's not. It's hard to come in if you're a bit maybe out of shape yourself in terms of match fitness and and loads of other players around you are also off their game as well. So it's hard to blame someone who's played that little amount of games. It's a concern because of the quality we know he has. But there's lots of players around him. Like Castanier's new as well. I thought he started okay again, but I thought Maxwell, the teenage fullback, kind of had a very good game against him in the end. He seemed to get the beating of him. And from that point when he really got to grips with Castanier. I thought he um, he was very effective against him. So we were kind of just relying on Liam Boyce. And I know Robbie tried to switch up the attacking three time and time again. But if anything, it just seemed to make things more disjointed. And then at the back, I thought we were very naive as well. Um, you know, Popescu stepped out a few times. And Queen of the South did not have much physicality in their forward areas. But Jones and Mebude both had a really good turn of pace and good acceleration. So what you don't want is your defenders to step in and allow them to to get a run on you. And they kept doing it. It was the only what they had was pace. They weren't going to beat them with much else. And we kept letting them get in behind. I thought that was pretty poor. And then in the defensive midfield area, the holding midfield area, Halliday had been better against Air. I thought he was ineffective, and I thought he just got annoyed. He summed it up when. You know, 36-year-old Willie Gibson, who's been their reserve manager at Queen of the South and also deputises as a, f- a fullback because he's not got the fitness he once was to be a winger, you know, had Halliday on, you know, he had him on strings. It was just, it, it kind of summed up that we ended up in a battle like that and couldn't create things against, you know, with all due respect to Queen of the South, a lower-end Scottish Championship side. A lot to get to there. First of all, we're underperforming. Now, when I speak about underperforming, I want to give you an example of a couple of teams I commented on in in Italy. And basically, these teams, one of which is Fiorentina, and the other is Cagliari. 
Now, if you don't watch much Serie A, let me explain. They have a, a lot of really, really good players. Some of them are a little bit older, more experienced, but a lot of really, really good players. But but they're underperforming right now, and, and they're not getting results. Cagliari haven't won in 15. Um, they re-signed Nangolan. They've got Diego Godin. And, okay, they're still in their 30s, but I'm just trying to see if there's a correlation between these type of teams underperforming. Fiorentina have got Ribéry. They've got some really good players, but they're nowhere near where they should be in the table because they are a collection of talented individuals who have not yet gelled. It's like having all the ingredients, having the perfect ingredients to make the perfect piece of food, but not having the chef that can put everything together. Now, that isn't designed at a specific person. So I'm not having a go at, at, at anybody. I'm just There's a frustration here, whether it's watching Calgary and go, how can you not get these results? Or Fiorentina. And hearts to a certain extent as well. So that's the first part. The second part is to tidy up something from earlier. The last time that Hearts scored in the first 10 minutes of a game away from home was when Arno Jum scored in December 2018 at St. Johnston in a two-all draw. So that's poor. And that isn't a Robbie Nielsen, a current players or anything. That's just a, a malaise that has set in about this Hearts squad over the last two or three years. And going back to the underperforming aspect as well, at which stage do we think, you know what? Yeah, we're getting results. We're scraping them a couple of times. We have yet to see another Dundee performance from the first day of the season. We've yet to see that tenacity, that pace, that effervescence. And why is that? I don't know is, is the answer. We might have come close sometimes. Um, I don't think it's too often, though. So at which stage do you think, you know what, if we're planning for the next season, because at this stage, you want to keep getting the results, but you want to start doing it with a little bit of flair and putting blocks in place for the new season in the Premiership, assuming we go up. Is there a plan B and a plan C? The reason I ask that, there was a good um, a good podcast with uh, Graham Spears, Ewan Murray, Joel Sked. This week, it's a podcast I subscribe to. I think it's called Press Box by by Graham Spears, and they were talking about various things, um, including the pace at which Hearts play. Uh, Ewan was having a go at, at Andy Halliday, not so much for his um, playing ability, but more so that he's spending a fair chunk of his time when he's not in the football club on podcasts and various other things talking about the old firm. So Ewan didn't like that. Joel didn't have a problem with it. I don't have an issue with it if it, if it doesn't affect the, the player's play. I, and does talking about the old firm affect the focus, affect the psyche? I don't know. But the bottom line is, hearts need to play at pace. And so far, what we've seen, and we spoke last week about Andy Halliday getting up to speed, not having had a pre-season. Is, is he an issue right now in that that is slowing us down? Another thing is Smith and Kingsley. Are we too cautious with them? Are they in their best positions? Could we play a three with one of the centre-backs pushed forward? That would allow the full-backs or the wing-backs to get forward. Gary Mackay, Stephen, it hasn't worked yet. Of course we're going to be patient. You don't chuck the baby out with the bathwater. If it, uh, at first, it hasn't really worked for Gary Mackay, Stephen. We've got him on a long-term deal. You've got to be careful with how you deal with players. Look at Chelsea. Look at Thomas Tuchel. Look at the goalkeeper. They brought Kepa back in for a couple of games. He's kept a couple of clean sheets. His confidence is better than what it was. So it's how you deal with certain players and certain individuals. 
Jamie Walker we see play really well one week and then at times go missing. So there's an issue. Are we utilising what we have to the best of their capabilities? Do we have the best tactics for that group of players? Are we getting the most out of them? Because I'm still Liam Boyce's number one fan. I love him. And you're right. He looks frustrated at times. I don't know what the answer is because you kind of know. It's not like when you make a change this week because we're playing Celtic away or Rangers away or or whatever. You kind of know. So Morton at home. Hearts are likely to win that. But I don't just want to win it. I've got to the stage. I want to win it with a bit of flair. And I want to win it with a bit of style. I want to win it like we did against Dundee. Because I, my mum and dad, and every other Hearts fan, that weekend after the Dundee game, that was what it used to feel like. We haven't felt that since, Laurie. And we should be feeling it more in a league that should be a cakewalk. Yeah, it's it's hard to to pinpoint and say this is the specific problem. You know, we'll all have ideas about, you know, ways to change the system or you know, we bring in one player for another, but it, it certainly seems to be more than just swapping a player out, putting someone different in. It does feel like a general a general malaise and you do have to question whether whether we are approaching these games in the right way. We do seem very predictable. Um, I certainly think is one way of looking at it. I mean, we'll talk ahead. We'll maybe talk about how we'd approach the Morton game um, when we get to that. But I thought we would talk about just some of the the key talking points. You know, there wasn't an awful lot, but one of them was certainly a big one, and that is the way in which Queen of the South uh, went ahead with that penalty late in the first half. Now, I'm interested to get your thoughts because when I watched this when we were covering it, when Jones runs into the box, um, I thought it was a foul when him and Kingsley came together. I thought in real time he had um, done what a lot of attackers do, the clever thing, which is kind of what Boyce did in the second half, get your body in a position that kind of forces the foul, so to speak. So you, you put yourself in a position where you then get clipped by the defender and you win the penalty. Um, the replay that we first saw, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Rob kind of called it when we saw the first replay. It's like, I don't know, I think he's bought that one. And then when we saw it at halftime again, it's, like, well, it's quite clear. He's, it's, it's, not a, it's not a moment of being clever and still, I suppose, winning a foul. It's being very sneaky because he's actually kicked out and he's pretty much fouled Kingsley. I know how you feel about it when you've seen it, which is how pretty much everyone feels about it when they've seen it. When it first happened, did you did you did you call it or were you duped as much as referee Colin Stephen was? When it first happened, Laurie, it reminded me of the cup final in twenty twelve, where Susu, I think it was, was desperately mm-hmm. waiting just so he could get into the box before he went down. And that's what it looked like the striker was doing. I was surprised when the penalty was awarded. But then I was angry when I saw why it was awarded. And I think you've got to you've got to separate that incident with other incidents. So last night we saw the Barcelona game against PSG. And if you didn't see that, Frankie de Jong got in front of the defender and inadvertently the defender fouled him because as Frankie de Jong was running, his leg came up and hit the other leg of the defender who was challenging him. The defenders made no attempt um, to make the challenge. 
but it is a penalty because the, he has impeded um, he has impeded Frankie De Jong, and there's there's one uh, replay that clearly shows that it is a it is a foul. The replay of this one at Palmerston, first of all, for me, suggested that's outside the box, which was one of the first thoughts I had. Wait a minute, was did he? So you, this is where you've got to know the laws of the game to know what does constitute and what doesn't constitute continuation, because that is part of the laws of the game. Mm-hmm. If you tug a jersey and you start a jersey tug outside the box, that jersey tug continues inside the box. That is deemed a continuation foul, and that is enough to award a penalty. Even though the foul begins outside, it continues into the box with the tug of the jersey. This wasn't a continuation foul. There was no pull. So for me, the initial contact looks outside the box. Now, with this continuation foul, if a contact starts outside the box, it's usually a split-second contact. It's very rare if you don't have a jersey tug, that you get a challenge that continues from outside yeah. to inside the box. That's the, because it's the first contact you then take. I'm still convinced that that was outside the box. What I would say about this one is the referee's not sure. And Colin Stephen was his name. Yeah. So he looks he looks over at his assistant, who I believe was Kevin McElhenney, over on the far side. And that's when he gives it. He gets the, the nod or, yep, I'm, I'm, I think that's a penalty. And that's why he gives it. Whether the assistant had decided, I don't know, then it would run up to the referee. I don't know what he would have given. I think the, the forward has played for it. I don't think there's um, inadvertent contact. I think you could argue as well that there might be an argument for a foul by the home player on the Hearts player. But I don't, I don't think it was a penalty. Yeah, there's a difference between, you know, Away, aside from the whether it was inside or outside, in terms of the foul itself, I think there's a different difference between being clever with how you position your body to 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 make sure that you are fouled, whether the defender means to or not. Like you say, if they if you run across them and they run into your legs and clip you, then still the a foul. Penalty. Doesn't matter whether yeah, they meant to or uh-huh. not. Sure, there's a difference between that and seeing where the defender's leg is and actually kicking it effectively. Because that's what he does. He kicks out his leg. It's not like it's he runs across Kingsley. And a few people said, oh, I saw it in real time. I don't know how people would miss it. I'll, I'll confess, when I, first, when I saw it in real time, I thought it looked like that's what he'd done. He'd, been, he'd ran in front of Kingsley and he'd been clipped. Um, but no, it was, it, was, it was sneakier than that. I didn't blame the referee so much because... It's a, it was definitely a tricky one to see in real time, especially when you're on the field, you don't have a wide-angle view of it as such. Um, I suppose it would be one that some people, the pro-VAR crowd, might say that's an argument for it. Not that Scottish football, and certainly not the Scottish Championship, would have the funding for that anytime soon. But there's got, Laurie, there's got to be clear and obvious um, evidence mm-hmm. to overturn something once it's given. How many times have, have you heard commentators or have you seen this season something being given in the Premier League that isn't going to be overturned? But if it hadn't been given, it wouldn't have been given by VAR, if you know what I mean. So it's a it's one of those grey areas. A penalty is awarded on the pitch. VAR's like, nah, I can't overturn that. If that penalty is not awarded, VAR's not going to get... Well, they're going to look, but they're not going to get involved yeah. with it. So this is one... you. 
The problem that you have with, with a championship game on a Friday night with the BBC coverage is you've got a certain number of cameras and that's it. The, I didn't think the BBC did that good a job during commentary. I didn't think McFadden did a good job in commentary um, of explaining it. I thought, I'm not sure he actually gets the, the actual laws in that he was talking about how the, the, the striker earned it. You, you don't <laughs> earn it. That's, that's, that's nonsense. You've got to know the laws of the game. Oh, it's the, did he, he didn't say, um, he's, you know, he's, he's, he has the right to go down or something. You know, they always say that thing where you've, if you feel, oh, yeah, you've, you've, you're entitled to go down. Is that what they sometimes say? That annoys me. I mean. Well, look, the, the, the striker's played for it and he's won it. So he's done his job. We've had players in the past that have won penalties for hearts. And let's not, let's not live in glass houses here. And Oh, and I've criticised him. I'm, I'm very, I really don't like this attitude that if there's contact, it doesn't matter the context or if the con, it's like, you can have contact and it's not a foul. You can have a foul without contact. We've spoken about it a lot of times. It really irritates me that people slow things down frame by frame and say, look, the defender's shin pad brushed that striker's ankle, so he's entitled to go down. I mean, that's that really annoys me. Oh, no, what, what McFadden said was, to quote, you have to give the benefit to the attacker. Why? That's bollocks. Nonsense. <laughs> Why? Absolute <laughs> shite, James. It's not, some, it's not an no, offside. It's not an offside. And even that, yeah, it's offside benefit to the attacker. You're either on or you're offside. I mean, what what is this here? This is. I like James McFadden. I think I think he's a I think he's a good pundit. But he, he said two things. You have to give the benefit to the attacker. That's just pish. And also, contact was definitely inside the box. Once you you use the word definitely, you're then tying your colours to the mast. Mm-hmm. I think there was. There was some contact initially outside the box. But going back to the BBC coverage, and I'm grateful for the fact that we have got BBC coverage of, of the championship because even when Hearts are playing, I, I still enjoy watching Scottish football. But you cannot, you, we're in a, a situation now, everyone, whether it's ESPN, BBC, there's a, there's a tight squeeze put on spending. So you're not going to get 30 cameras at Palmerston on a Friday night. You're going to get what you get. So to get a proper replay of that wasn't ideal. If you had VAR, if it was in the Premiership, that's different because it's easy to kind of take a look at that camera and, and match it up with that one. But I didn't think the BBC did a very good job at halftime of, of showing where the initial contact was. But that's, I mean, as someone once said, you can only piss with the cock you've got. And apologies for being vulgar, but you can't show replays from 20 cameras if you've only got two. So you can only show what you've got, but it didn't really show much. And the one angle I saw, I thought, I'm not convinced that that contact was out, uh, was inside the box. No, it, it, it was a poor decision. Um, the, the attacker has certainly conned the officials and it meant that Queen of the South were ahead uh, after the penalty was dispatched. I guess a bigger concern from a Hearts point of view is the second half, we didn't really look like getting back into You know, Boyce did well. No, we didn't. Um, won the penalty, no doubt about that one. Well dispatched, saved uh, us losing our first game against Queen of the South um, since 1963. But apart from that, I mean, Leefield, the goalkeeper for Queen of the South, he made that save for Walker in the first half. That's the only save he had to make. I mean, we looked devoid of any inspiration or ideas. Leefield? Yeah. Did you say? Yeah. I thought the goalkeeper was Ferguson. Oh, sorry, it was Ferguson, wasn't it? 
Yeah. It was Lee Field the first game. Sorry. Ah, okay, gotcha. Rowan, Rowan Ferguson, Lee Fields, the other keeper, who, is, who actually I don't think has played since the first game when he conceded six. You're right, it's Rowan Ferguson. Um, but it could have it could have been Lee Field. Didn't have anything to do either way. Is Lee Field his surname or is it Lee Field? No, no, it's his surname. Sorry, it's Lee Field is his surname. Is his first name Lee? No, he's 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 not he's not Lee he's Lee not, Field. He's not Lee. <laughs> so Rob getting, Robertson. You're getting caught up in me or miss. Um, <laughs> and we mixing up, up our, our yeah. Queen of the South goalkeepers. Uh, he is Jack Leefield. That's what he is. They've had a goalkeeping, um, they've had a lot of goalkeeping issues this season. Remember, they ended up with a 16-year-old in, and actually, apparently, did very well for one of their games. No, sorry. That, that anyway, whoever was in goals, it could have been, it could have been anyone because he didn't have anything to do, basically. Fair second, which, second half. No, I mean. Uh, who was it that was talking? I was listening to, I think it was the Perth to Paisley podcast. And I sent, I sent him a message. There's a lot of good hearts podcasts out there right now. And you sent me a message and sorry to, to deviate, but I think this is important. You sent me a message from someone who'd been in touch with yourself saying, cause we're always worried as oh, we've gone over an hour and, and we did two parts with Scott Wilson. But for some people, it's company. Um, some people are lonely. We all, we've all had our lonely spells over the last year or two. Um, and th- th- there comes that time where where you can you can get like that. Um, and I've totally. And you know what, Mark? Yes. Misery loves company. Well, it does. <laughs> it, 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 it does. Um, and I, I actually like Billy Connolly. And I, I'll probably be twenty minutes later. I'll probably come back to where I've just been with the. Re- there was a point and a purpose to that tangent, but because I went down a rabbit hole, I was distracted, and I can't remember where I was going with that. Well, I, I tell you what, okay, so we were going to look ahead to Morton at the end of the game, but we're kind of, it, it sort of merges into one, our issues in the second half, what's the answer? So we'll we'll have a little light-hearted end to the podcast and we look ahead to 25 years as part of the homework, but looking ahead to Morton, so Hearts host Morton on Saturday, 3 o'clock at Tynecastle, Morton without a win in 7 um, don't want to tell you it's been a while since we've lost to Morton as well, but not quite as long as Queen of the South. What's the answer here? Now, what I thought would be interesting. Now, let's not say what we think Robbie Nielsen will do. Let's take a different approach. So, what would you do? So, I was having a think about this the other day actually, and I was trying to think what you know. Boyce is a good player, and he has been performing well. He's probably at the moment our our best player in recent games, which maybe isn't saying much for a lot of others. Uh, Walker's obviously been been looking a bit more like himself in recent weeks. I'm trying to think of a way that we can get Boyce support in that team. So maybe have Nongdwie involved, but in a system that we can actually implement with the personnel that we have. So I quite liked when Robbie, and I know some people will call it a diamond, I still think of it more as a four-one-three-two. You know, basically what Robbie changed to. I think the big one that springs to mind is against Hibs when he swapped things around the hour mark and he put Lee to the right, put Haring into the sitting role, Naismith in the middle, and Ad White on the left, and he had Boyce and Whiten up front and the usual the usual defensive five. So I was thinking maybe that four-one-three-two because I don't think I don't know if we have the players to play a four-four-two. At the moment, not a traditional four-four-two anyway. So the way I was looking at it was, <clears throat> what I thought might work quite well is four-one-three-two. Your usual Gordon and goals, usual back four. 
maybe Irving sitting, especially at home to Morton. We don't need a defensive sitter, a creative sitter. Um, the attacking three, I would like to see McInef get a start. Someone with a bit of energy in the middle of that. And Walker, one side of him, maybe Castanier at the other side. That's one where it's a bit more open. I don't think there's anyone who's stamped their authority in that place. But it could be Gary McKay-Steven, could be Henderson. More encouragement maybe on Smith and Kingsley to get forward again. You know, Walker can come inside. Um, Castanier, maybe Gary McKay-Steven might come inside. And then have Boyce and Nongdwee up front. So that way, there's a bit more focus on support for Boyce, a bit more encouragement for Kingsley and Smith to get forward because we're playing a more narrow formation, whether you want to call it a diamond or a 4-1-3-2. And I think that could possibly be... You wouldn't necessarily want to play that way in every game. You know, Irving's a creative player. You might have to have a Haring or a Halliday in there if it's a game where you have a little bit more defending to do. But that was my sort of thinking... Because at the moment, I feel like we're too predictable and there's not enough support in the forward areas. So I'm looking back to the last time we played Morton. And that was under their previous boss, David Hopkin. And they were not interested at all in coming past the halfway line. No, they were not. It was one of the most defensive displays I've ever seen. Five up, five at the back and four in midfield and uh, a striker who was part of the midfield. So what did we do that day? Well, we, we played a three behind the striker who... Now, Whiten played that day. I think he was probably the striker. So we, the three we played behind the striker was a narrow three. So what you've just said could... It, it already has been played against Morton and it has Yeah, we, we, it was all about getting Kingsley and Smith. And, and yes. um, that was... It was that game that Robbie actually spoke about the fact that he changed the approach because we were missing Ginelli... And he adjusted it because we basically had no natural wide players uh, that were, I, I guess, being effective at that point. So he put the focus on moving um, moving Smith and Kingsley out wide, have them overlap and, and obviously get more support centrally. So, yeah, you're right that against Morton, that was one of the ones where he adjusted it. We've, yes. we've, we've changed back again a little bit because Ginelli came back and then we signed Gary McKay-Steven. So we have tried to play with more width in attacking areas again but maybe maybe that's a fair point we have certainly not utilized smith and kingsley as attacking players as often in recent games especially away from home i don't think we have so we have options if non do is play i want to see a 442 we need I to have someone four- up with them if yeah yeah i, w- I want to see a 442 but i also want to see the the main task of the game, not to be getting goals to begin with, but to be getting it out wide, then getting it in the box. To do that, we need to play at pace. If you're going to have a team, if Morton sat back at home, and I know that was under their previous coach, they're now playing a 4-2-3-1 instead of that 5-4-1. So if you're going to have a team that's going to come to Tencastle and sit as they are, you have to move the ball about quickly. So... If you've got your two wingers, I'd want to see overlapping from Smith and from Kingsley. I mean, Kingsley against Dundee, it's sad that we're, it's the 17th of February and we're still going back to the game on the first game of the season um, at the end of September. 
there should be many more examples, but there's not. But at least we've got one example to which we're hoping that we can see that again. So I think we need pace. Mm-hmm. I think we need to get it out wide. And I think we need to deliver. Because if you've got two up top at home on a tight time castle pitch, the likelihood is that his Boyce and Nondouillet will be pretty close to each other and one won't be isolated from the other. The other thing I would do is I would play Mackineth instead of Halliday. Mm-hmm. I just think that would speed things up a little bit. I watched Mackineth when he came on at Queen of the South. And not so much his performance, but one thing I really liked about a guy that's just coming or coming to the team. The, the spell I watched him specifically, he wanted the ball. Give it to me. He would go chasing it. Give it to me. A lot of players can hide, not just at Hearts, but anywhere. When going gets tough or it isn't working or whatever, it, 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 it can be difficult to want the ball. But McInef wants the ball. He wants to make an impression. right? So for me, he starts. Gary mckay Stephen starts as well. Because I don't see what putting him on the bench would fix. right? Wingers are confident players. They strive and they, they, they thrive on confidence. So... All it takes is, I mean, remember Craig White got his first goals and then went on a run. That's what we're looking for. And I think we're in a position we can do that because we're in a home game against Morton. I wouldn't be taking him out the side. If I've got 4-4-2 and I want two wingers, I want Gary Mackay, Stephen. And, I mean, Castanier as well. We, we've, they've brought him in. That's five wingers now that they've brought in. I want to see what they can do. If you can't do it at home against Morton, then come on now. So if you're playing a 4-4-2, and all this is based on on Nondier playing an attack, but I want to see a 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. I want to see the ball put out wide. I want to see it into the area. I want to see the fullbacks overlapping and getting beyond um, the, the two midfielders where necessary, just to give them an option, because it's going to be really congested in the middle of the park. So the other thing, let's not try and... and I've seen this with a few clubs, Laurie. They try and think they're some of the best teams in the world, and 20 passes, 25 passes before. But they're not they're 25, aimless, not aimless passes, but they're passes that aren't um, penetrating enough. So let's do two or three passes instead of five or six. Let's zip it about a little bit more. Let's have longer passes than five yards where, as you said, let, let's not be as predictable as we have been. Because right now, if I'm an opposition manager playing against Hearts, I've got a fair idea what they're going to do, and I would... I would put my tactics and set out my tactics accordingly. Yeah, I mean that's sixty-six percent possession, but you. Yeah, how much? How much of that's good possession? But you have two shots on goal, and one of them's a yeah, penalty. I mean that's, that's not that's not proper possession. Then. No, exactly. That's what I mean. We we have possession for possession's sake, and Friday was one of those games where I was saying this afterwards um, to Rob. Rob Barthwick was on commentary. I was like. Those are the worst games when you're having to do dual commentary because I have to keep talking about exactly where the ball is and what's happening, but I can't be repetitive. So it's just 90 minutes of me trying to find different ways of saying that Hearts are knocking the ball between Halkett and Popescu and Smith and then back to Halkett across to Kingsley because I can't just let the game run because if you're listening, they're like, well, what's happening right now? But it's really boring to watch if I'm just saying in Halkett. Rolls it to Kingsley. Kingsley back to Halkett. Cross to Popescu. Cross to Michael Smith. Hearts knocking the ball. But that's what we were doing. Time and time again, it was knocking the ball around the back four. Eventually, maybe get it to go nowhere. It's to Irving nowhere. or Halliday, then back to them again. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, you've it's been at Tynecastle. stats. Yeah, you've been at Tynecastle before, and it can go the other way when fans are like, "Get it forward," and you're like, "Well, 
give them a chance, you know, we can't just, there's no point in lumping it up. But too often at the moment, we go the complete opposite direction and it is just possession for possession's sake. Yeah, just repeatedly. mix it up a little bit. Don't be as predictable. Don't be as pedestrian. Try and start quickly. I don't want Arno Zoom in December 2018 to be the last player to have scored in the first 10 minutes for much longer. I mean, come on now. So let's hope Saturday things will start quicker. Hearts will be more attacking, better tempo. Gary McKay Stephen will come good. Nongdui will be, well, we don't know if he'll be fit, but if he is fit, hopefully he'll start and he'll, and he'll grab a goal and maybe we'll see McInef uh, make a big impression as well. Just b- before we move on, we spoke on the last podcast about his name and um, Aaron very kindly messaged me because I put it out on Twitter and confirmed he is McInef. Just so, um, and I think Scott Wilson has been made aware of that now. So on Saturday, when he announces Aaron McInef's first Hearts goal, he will have it bang on. Okay, before we go, uh, we had homework put out by Mark a couple of weeks ago, but because um, the last podcast was so tangential, I trust Scott to just come on and just, you know, put our silly tangenticity name to shame by actually throwing a a real word out there. Uh, well, this tan- it's tangential. Tan- there, isn't, tan- there isn't such a word as tangential. Okay. T-A-N-G-E-N-T-I-A-L. A tangential line tangential. relating to God, or along... It's not an. It's not an easy. I don't oh. want Hearts to find a footballer with a surname of tangential. <laughs> it's just your. No, it's like it, it, who's it like? Um, Bob Carroll G's dog. I just don't know. So, no, no. Right. Let's not go down that no, rabbit that was, hole. That was spit. That was, like, yeah, let's go down that rabbit. Who was that from? That wasn't Bob. That was spit the dog. He didn't. Maybe he had that. Rah, rah, rah. It was someone else. Um, it wasn't Scrappy Doo, was it? Somebody's cartoon dog. <laughs> What was that from? What was sausages from? You're too young. You're too young. I don't know. I don't know. I should never have mentioned anything. I'm sorry. I apologise to everyone. Mark put the question out there. In 25 years' time, so season 2046, 2047, what will Scottish football be like? What will hearts be like? What will the landscape of the game in this country be like? And it was put out there for people to be to be creative and, and see what they came up with. So let's go through a few just now. Um, time is against us, so I will um, try and get through as many of these as possible. Uh, Nick Murby said, Dundee FC will finally work out how to check for new emails. Um, Gary Cowan said... John Robertson says there's light at the end of the tunnel as he embarks upon signing the last couple of thousand Inverness tickets to send out to Hearts fans. <laughs> the other thing I would follow that up with, um, Inverness finally have their first home game since the end of 2020 <laughs> after thousands of pitch inspections and subsequent postponements. I, they'll still be trying to play out this season by that point. Um <laughs> Let's see what else we've got. We've got a long one here from Odd Shaped Balls. Uh, so we'll go through this one. It says, having failed with bids to go to England, Holland, France uh, and the MLS, Celtic and Rangers have joined the Irish leagues, if only to save their fans money on travel. St Mirren are delighted as they now get a full-time Celtic store at the ground. 
Hibs fan ownership appeal finally breaches the 100k barrier, but inflation adjust, uh, adjusted actually means it equals £723.62. Lee Griffiths is announced as Scotland's richest man after claiming his overdue child benefit. Neil Lennon returns for his 16th spell as Celtic manager. Laurie... I mean, com- I, I, that, that could easily be true because they've started to put pre-contracts now. They signed a boy from Sheffield Wednesday in a pre-contract. Can you imagine if uh, there's a press release in the summer? Uh, Celtic are delighted to confirm that following talks with Neil Lennon, we've agreed that he will stay as manager of the football club. (laughs) Well, do you know, um, this came up, I can't remember why I was talking about this, and you'll probably know off the top of your head, but obviously in, in Scotland and England, it's traditional that managers are released from contracts and paid off. Whereas I know in Italy they don't tend to do that. They just tend to replace them, but they're still contracted yeah, well, to the club. Yeah, so because, there's an example so, of managers who have been reappointed yeah. by the club, like two or three managers down the line, yeah. because they're still being paid by the club following the, yes. the dismissal the first time. Yeah, so they'll dismiss a manager, and I'm trying to remember what club it was recently. I, I mean recent, I mean like maybe the last two years, where they sacked a manager, replaced him with someone else, got rid of that manager, and because they still had the other manager on contract, they were like, we'll just give him the job, but then they sacked him yep. again, and I'm trying to remember who it was, they sacked the manager twice, effectively, although... Genoa Gen- usually do that in Italy. Um, but you could imagine, I think it came from, we were talking about the joke about, imagine Craig Levine, you know, coming back, because <laughs> because he was still there, he was under contract, it's like, well, we might as well just give him his job back. We're paying um, him anyway. Uh, but anyway, Archie Balls also says Laurie completes his set by getting banned from every away ground in Scotland except Inverness. <laughs> that'll be, that'll be well before that. And now does his commentary completely by guesswork. Is that different than now? Um, he's offered a role as lead sports presenter for the BBC as a result. Very good. Um, or alternatively, nothing changes and it's more of the same shit. <laughs> Probably more likely. Uh, let's see what we've got here. Steve Morris, a pie and a bottle at the match can now be bought with your thumb chip for £110. God, and the other thing about a bovril is by 26.47, it might be cool enough <laughs> to actually take a sip of without burning your bloody mouth. <laughs> Indeed. Cheesemeister says, Loic Demure leaves hearts in a free transfer <laughs> as his contract <laughs> runs out. Uh, he's, he, he, he won't turn into our very own Bobo Baldi, will he? Remember, he was just. I wonder, oh. could, could he could he end up being our own Ibrahim Tall, and that it all comes good? And no, you know but, what? No, but we've not seen Ibrahim Tall, but no, we hadn't seen him was... to know if he was good or bad. We've well, seen we, Demur. We, we, we haven't. We... Yeah, but I was thinking more of the haven't hasn't been on the pitch for God knows how long. Can you imagine we win the next Scottish Cup? After Elliot Freer's cross finds Loic Demur, a late sub, coming in deep at the back post and slotting home. No, neither can no, I. No, can't imagine it. <laughs> Over under 2046 before that happens. Yeah, uh, let's see what's ever happening. Another one we've got George Hobbs says Nielsen leads Hearts to a Champions League, uh, to Champions League glory. Some fans yet to be convinced he's the one. Um, Anne's head lead leans from her glass jar in Futurama-style preservation <laughs> scheme. Um, this is getting strange. Ron Gordon gets parole after his Ponzi plan failed in 2021-22, and Hibs are still in the Lowland League after a 24-year absence. You know you know how I say we have some wacky ideas on this? It's usually just me. 
some things just come into my mind and they should oh, remain unspoken. That's ominous. Yep. Here we go. So Easter Road is knocked down in 2046-47 by then, and Hibs have Hibs have got a new stadium um, built as part of the Ocean Terminal Complex. Okay. But we're still playing behind closed doors, not as a result of COVID, but just something else has happened. So this particular game is played behind closed doors, okay. and then suddenly you hear the horn of a K-19 submarine <laughs> out the back, and it's Vlad. <laughs> who has been cryogenically frozen because, what is he, 76, 77? Now he's going to be, a, he'll be over 100 by then. So he's been cryogenically frozen. Um, but in, in a bit like Mr. Burns in The Simpsons, he, he still has a way of making people do things. And he puts off the Hibs penalty taker in the last minute because the stadium's quiet, of course, because there's no fans in attendance. And the horn, I don't even know if submarines have got horns. I don't know why you would need to, because a horn underground and under the water is pointless. But anyway, this is this is my story and I'm sticking to it. And it, it, it ends now. This is your story, this is your song. Yeah, just keep yeah, singing. It, indeed. And the talk <laughs> by the way, there was a talking dog that said sausages that was in that's life. Oh. So that's me tied the bow around that little story as I'm well. And as, so as far as the tangent yeah, I'm not going. I'm still going. As far as the tangent from earlier is concerned, yeah, I just I'd listened to a few other Hearts podcasts this week, and I think it's great that that supporters have got options. Um, judging by the last three minutes of this pish diatribe, that I've they'll be listening to one of those by now. Probably. Yeah. But yeah. hey ho, it's been it's been good while we had the opportunity. Catch twenty two says Jason Cummings will sign for Hearts in the January transfer window <laughs> after an in the know me fires it around the WhatsApp group for the thirtieth season straight. <laughs> it's one of those signings that just is never gonna happen, but will always be linked until he's until he's no longer playing football, but always is be it, linked. Is, he's a Hearts fan, isn't he? Yes. Yes, he is. And oh, he was well. obviously with us as a yeah, with us as a boy and released after he had injury issues and yep. obviously came back uh, to haunt us when he was with can I, the Burnian. Can, can I give a, a homework I haven't even thought about? It's just okay, come to me. Sure. That's, that's the best one. If you can be arsed, that's the, the pre, that's the prefix to this. If you can be arsed, could you put together a Hearts 11, and if you can't be arsed, stick a five-a-side team, of the best players that were once on our book, but we released. So that mm. that person that got in touch with you can finally have Jason Cummings. For Do you mean so it could be any? So it could be that they played for us for a while and released, or that we let go before they'd broken no, the team? Or? No, 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 because that you can't do that because we we released a lot of players that just didn't extend their contracts, and there's some good ones and, and yeah, so someone who it, never it, actually made it to the first team. Yeah, there we go. That'd, okay. that'd be all right, wouldn't it? But either a five aside, or if you can be asked, an eleven aside, with a formation uh, of players that were at one stage, and it doesn't have to be youngsters. You could have been under contract with Hearts yet never played. So there might have been some players, some older players, who never got a game. Um, just, like, just a thought. Like Rice and Bowley. Did he never even? No, never played he... competitive game for us. So we're going competitive. So friendlies don't count. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it gets a bit difficult if you have to discount. I know, I know. Non-competitive. I'm trying to make this as easy. I'm trying to make this as easy as possible. Yeah. Okay. If, fine, if, fine, if they were fine. with Hearts but never played, you can have them. 
the ones that got away. There you go. Um, yeah. Okay, what else have we got? Alan James says, Hearts remain in the championship for the 25th, oh Christ, for 25th year due to <laughs> hastily introduced SPFL stroke SFA COVID in football law that no team can be promoted, especially Hearts, until COVID has been eradicated and league construction won't be considered until Celtic win 20 in a row. Signed, N. Doncaster. Um, it obviously wasn't before anyone we have any legal issues. It was Mr. Alan James who gave us that one, but God, that would be a thought. 25 years in this division. Here's, a, here's another one for you. I haven't thought about any of these. They're just coming to me and they're ridiculous. Great. There's, a, del- like there's a delivery in 2046. It transpires that the seats originally for the main stand had been ordered, <laughs> but they've only just arrived. Someone put the wrong yeah. address. Correct. <laughs> they were down at Ocean Terminal. Um, they'd been they'd been found in the K nineteen submarine that was docked at Ocean Terminal. Right, I'm going to fire through some more of these because you're you're going to just you're going to have. I've been eating too much day with this. Um, Alan Meikle says Hearts fans who bought the Lego bus are, are allowed back into the stadium. <laughs> I finished Jason, the Lego bus. I've Jason, got the Lego bu- <laughs> it's it's in my front room, and it's not a Lego. It's it's a it's full Lego. It's not even Lego. Whereas okay. Lego now make Manchester United's Old Trafford, that's the only it's one Lego. I think the only it's, it's not even Lego and it cost a fortune at the time. <laughs> it was was it like seventy odd quid or something? I got it for my Christmas and I later found out how much it was. If I'd known I wouldn't even have asked for it. Goodness. <laughs> a and Jason Leach says it will be some time yet before the stadium is full was the second half of Alan's <laughs> sentence um, James Govan goes really obscure I mean this is never going to happen um, a bit unrealistic he says Alawa will finally have proper Wi-Fi um, <laughs> we're only 25 years into the future James I don't think we can expect miracles um, I'll probably be banned from there now Graham D says <laughs> How funny is it that Aloe Athletic were having an argument with the Scars are in the funnel Twitter account back and yeah, forth? Thanks, thanks for including me in that, Dick. You, you should know, when, when I just want to keep things as, that's probably Laurie Dunsire, but we can't prove it. I'll use the Scars around the funnel account. Oh, right, okay. Or, or sign LB, <laughs> not MD. Um, I want nothing to do with that. I don't want knocks on the door. Uh, <laughs> Graham D says, at 59, Ian Cathro returns as head coach, claiming he has unfinished business. Shudder. Um, Kevin Fallon says, the now defunct SFA and SPFL uh, means that Hearts and other teams struggle to adjust to being part of the new Faroe Isles and North Atlantic Football League. The old farm continue their own setup, playing each other 18 times at Celtic Park and 18 at Ibrox. <laughs> they are happy. They probably would be as well. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, <laughs> like Stefan Adam's right boot says, much buzz around Tynecastle as Vyashlav Chleb finally shows up. <laughs> <laughs> He's along with... Um, that's a bit different than Cummings. That's one of these that was meant to happen, but just never did. Yeah, never did. Never did. Yeah. And he, he didn't. And, nothing, he never even went anywhere in the end, did he? Because we all thought he was... You know, obviously, his, his older brother was well-known. But everyone talked about his younger brother was also going to be a big hit. Um, and he did move to the team that no, is MTZ Repo, who no longer 
exist is that or oh, the, the the belarusian mob i um, part of yeah, Vlad's he, he, sort of network at the time yes he had three he had hearts he had fbk Kaunas and mtz repo from minsk yeah he, yeah he played there i mean his junior not his junior career but coming through as a youngster listen to me i've dropped a z instead of a z and called him junior instead of youth I'm, bec- I'm finally becoming americanized after over 10 years but he was at stuttgart he was at hamburg in grasshopper but yeah, it just it never it never happened. The other thing which was linked so many times, but just because I think was it Barry Anderson had a contact at, with Nevio Scala, and any time <laughs> there was a speaking from his farm in Padova, Nevio Scala was expressing his interest in possible because he was on the he was on the shortlist. Yeah, uh, I mean it was on the list in 0506 prior to Burley. That one's been going so long that I remember seeing Nevio Scala rumours on CFAX updates. Oh, Hearts. Martin Dempster. I'm sure Martin Dempster or David McCarthy were, um, were, were Hearts correspondents at the Evening News when that first started. That's been, that's been going on forever. Do you want another um, one? What? Another one I remember constantly being linked in maybe the early 2000s. Stuart Baxter. He was always the yeah. one. He kept getting linked mm-hmm. with us as well. Yeah, Nevio Scala is now the president of Parma, so he ain't leaving his... Um, farm in, in Padova for that. Now, Stuart Baxter was was always kind of linked with, but he, is he not someone who's had like millions of, of jobs? He outside? was a very, he had a very creative career. I remember that. It was like he was in very interesting managed, places. Yeah. There. Never managed in Scotland. Um, and, but it was, li- I mean, was linked with, with so many jobs. Because he was the South African coach for a while and the Finnish coach for a while, but he was strongly linked when Craig Levine took over first time around, if I remember rightly. But or was it when so Craig Levine left first time? First time, so when Craig went to Leicester. No, I think when Craig Levine took over, I think he was strongly so before, linked first. Okay, so that would have been two thousand, two thousand ish. So he was AIK Solna and then Lynn and oh, he was English under nineteen coach. So, I don't know, but yeah, you're right. That's Stuart Baxter, <laughs> Nevio Scala. Now I'm going off on the tangents. Um, Stop it, bring us back. Okay, there we go. Let's go. I'll throw one more out there. Um, Stuart Ritchie gives us some of the predictions. He says, Dundee's missing vote is found. Uh, after going 57 years without winning the Scottish Cup, Aberdeen admit they may not be the third biggest club in Scotland. The, the Daily Record has a genuine exclusive. And finally, Aloha upgrade broadband to allow more than one broadcaster to report from the ground. <laughs> there you go. So a couple of times Aloha have come up. Uh, but no, thank you for that. I, I, I like the creativity behind yes. some of those. Always good to see. And Mr. Donaldson has put homework out for next time, which is the ones that got away. Players that were on the books with Hearts, either as a youngster or maybe they were just as a squad player or a backup, never made a competitive appearance, but they could have done a job. You know, your best eleven or your best five-a-side team from those players. So it could be the likes of Jason Cummings, who was with Hearts at youth levels but never did make it into the senior side, or it could be Rice Imboli, like I mentioned, the goalkeeper who would play at a World Cup later in his career but never actually played in between the sticks for Hearts in a competitive match, despite being on the books. And if you can't and even be arsed putting five, just give us one and we'll put them all together. Yeah, we'll make fair a enough. Team. We'll try so, and make a team whatever, out of it next week. Come up, come up, yeah. come up with, with some or someone. There you go. Or don't. If you can't be bothered, then that's fine as well. You know, whatever. <laughs> what are we calling it? The ones that got away? 
Yeah. Or or didn't. Or didn't. <laughs> okay. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Scarves. Uh, Scarves. Oh. Thank you for tuning in to another, another episode of Scarf, bro. Scarves Around the Funnel. God, don't drag me down with you. That's an, that's an angry dog you just did. Well, I am. I'm, I'm narky. I'm recording this at dinner you're, time. You're I'm waiting to go and make my... You're a cat house. Yeah. Yes. Don't like cats. I like both cats and dogs, but... No, let's, don't, let's end stop. Don't, we're not getting on to pets. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. To, we'll let the dogs out. To, oh, no, no, the no, 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 no. To discuss Heart of Midlothian against Greenock Morton. Hearts will yes. be back in action and we'll be back to their best as they steam, steamroll oh. Morton. You try this every week. Every week. Three, four plus goals. It's going to be fantastic. And we'll discuss it all next time. Until then, thank you for tuning in. Uh, goodbye. Let me get him. Scrappy Dappy Doo, Scooby, Scrappy Dappy Doo, Scooby, Scrappy Dappy Doo. Ta 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 ta, Poppy Power. Dappy Doo, Uncle Scooby, Scrappy Dappy Doo. <laughs> Scooby Dooby Do